0: Welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast Growlin. Paul Diener Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here with you. We, we are, we are one week away, Jay, one week away from being at the combine and standing in the presence of Joe Burrow for everyone asking him about why he hates the Bengals.
1: How many times will he be asked that question? Is the key
0: that that is that is the key,
1: and I feel like that's something
0: that we can bring up later in this episode for a run pass feels run passer booty to me.
1: Yes, very good tease.
0: I like it. We have a lot to get to actually, um, which is. Stunning a little bit for this time of year, but really there's just, there's just, there's just a lot happening. We've got, we're one month away from the start of the new league year. We're one week away from the combine. And there's just a whole lot of Bengals conversation happening. Um, I, in case you haven't had a chance, I have a story, sort of a sit down, both a reflection back and a, a look ahead to both free agency, changes in the way things went down, and just a really kind of a, kind of a state of the year of Zach Taylor, uh, with him that's up on the site right now, um, dove into a ton of different stuff. So if you, uh, if you have some time, uh, to go through it, um, you know, it was from a long sit down that I had last week with Zach and and a couple other people. So anyway, uh, if you have a chance, take a look at that. There's a lot of different stuff in there. I want to get to some of the key elements of that. Jay's got sad stats, you'll be shocked to find out. They're they're pretty sad this week. On the sad meter they're high on the sad meter this week.
1: You can't get higher. <laughs> you can't. You're significantly
0: higher. Uh so so Jay's got some sad stats we're gonna get to. They're gonna lead into uh something that we need to talk about is how the heck they're gonna fix this thing, uh, this roster. And so, you know, Zach talked a lot about free agency with me and I kinda tried to give a better feel for what that really will look like for this team. I think I'll let most people roll their eyes at the thought, get the impression that they will be aggressive by their standards. And I know that's probably conservative by most standards maybe. Um, but I do think that there is hope for that. So we want to pinpoint what that looks like specifically positions, a couple of players, reasons why they would actually pick the Bengals. Um, we're going to talk about Joe Burrow because, of course, he's got leverage, you know. Right. Um, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about your interview with George Iloco last week and his interview with Darquez Denard on his Gym Bag podcast, um, which both were uh, very insightful. Um, we have Run passer Boot and much more. Do you have anything you want to get off your chest before we start diving into all of that?
1: Well, we can go right into the leverage thing. I don't understand where that comes from. I mean, he, he, Joe Burrow really doesn't have leverage. I don't know if he doesn't understand that or if he just was shooting out the side of his mouth or what, but I mean, his only leverage is to sit out if the Bengals draft him. That's it. I mean, he, he can't demand they not trade, take him. They can't, he can't demand that another team trade up to get him. I mean, he's kind of stuck. It's it's gonna be play football for the Bengals or don't play football. It that's not exact, leverage. Yeah, no, it's and
0: the 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 problem is where maybe he maybe you would say he has leverage. Um if you were thinking about, oh, okay, um a team that knew that this guy didn't want to play for you and demand a trade would just not take you or or would trade out of the pick, but that's just not something that's gonna happen here. Like <laughs> that's yeah, it's just not a thing here uh the doing or saying something like that would only make the line in the sand deeper inside of that front office of no, we're selecting you and you're playing here, uh that's the way it goes, and, and i you know, I know I feel like I've made this point a lot, but man, it's really it, the organization has many problems, okay, no one is. This is not some claim that they are the New England Patriots or they are, they deserve so much faith. But if you, you just look at the last two quarterbacks that they've selected and what has happened, you have two quarterbacks that won early. They each won division titles in their third season. They won often. They each won multiple division titles. They each went to multiple playoffs. One of them went to five straight playoffs. They each got a hundred million plus dollar contracts. Each of them got those. One of them making him the highest paid player in all of football. They they went to the playoffs fifty percent of the years they were healthy. What hell that would be to sign up for. <laughs> what yeah, hell that, I mean, that would be.
1: <laughs> that's not ruining a quarterback. That, you know,
0: no. I get the, it. I mean, like, they, they haven't won a playoff game. And they are a, a conservative organization. They stumble over themselves more often than not. But look at what has happened to the last two quarterbacks that they took. They each got eight-plus years to prove themselves. And they were winning and they won consistently. And they got hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> like what, what an awful, what an awful scenario for someone. How could you live like that? How could you possibly live like that? Tough, tough gig.
1: And you look, I mean, you, you, I know Joe Burrow's. Working out with Jordan Palmer, but think about how old he is, and the fact that Carson Palmer was drafted seventeen. I mean, that's that's literally a lifetime ago for Joe Burrow. Yeah. So I, I don't know how much history he's actually looking into this, and and he's not the one that said that the Bengals ruined quarterbacks. But I, I what I wonder is, you know, obviously before these guys go to the combine they sit down with their agents and then maybe some media specialists and they, when they get up on that podium, they are so rehearsed and it doesn't seem like Joe's been there yet. So I don't, I don't know if he hasn't had those conversations and that's where some of these, you know, his comments that can be interpreted one way or another are coming from on some of these interviews. Uh, I wonder if he gets to Indianapolis and just, you know, once he's had that, that talk and, and rehearses the interview, if, if he Stands up there and says, Yes, I would love to play for the Bengals. I would love to be number one overall and just totally changes his tune.
0: I do find it funny um, when you hear this, when you hear a lot of stuff. Because, look, you're right. A lot of it comes from the vagaries of the answers and pointing out that, you know, and the Bengals have their process and they have been vague too. They, they it's like the Bengals have come out and said, He's the pick, although we're all sort of under that assumption. Um, you know, that the wins of that are certainly out there and not hard to predict. But, you know, it, the vagaries of his answers is, is what of part, what eggs this on. And then obviously the, the national media won it so bad. The funny thing is when if they select me, they select me. This is the quote that is pulled out, um, from the interview. He's, he was getting the Davy O'Brien award in Texas, which is why these happened. So there was sort of a junket of interviews that you do for that. His mother, Robin, also interviewed uh, as part of a Fort Worth Star-Telegram story Uh who said when asked about these thoughts that they wouldn't play for the Bengals, we have no idea where that comes from, Robin said. It's a story out there that someone has created that doesn't have any substance from our perspective at least. Kind of funny we haven't seen that circulating much. No. <laughs> <You haven't laughs> seen that seem to make it out in there. It didn't quite make it out there.
1: And even the, if they select me, they select me, you, I mean, I haven't heard the interview. I haven't heard the response. It almost feels like you have to hear the way he said it and the context of it. I mean, he could have just been sick of the questions and that's just a, it's a dismissive answer to try to go on to another subject. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't feel if he doesn't want to play for the Bengals, which I don't think is the case. I I don't know that he could do anything to change that by, you know, the way he answers questions, the way he dismisses the franchise. It's not like the Bengals are gonna be like, oh, he don't want to play here, we'll just we'll move on and take Justin Herbert. Um it, it's just I think he's kinda of sick of all this and he he's just kind of being dismissive with his with his answers. That's why it'll be interesting at the combine, because he knows he has to stand up there for ten minutes and he knows they're gonna they're gonna do practice interviews and they're gonna you know, predict what questions are coming and, uh, he's going to be ready for them. That's what's, that's, that's the interview I really want to hear to see how he responds.
0: Yeah, And we will be there, uh, front and center. Next, that's next Tuesday in Indianapolis, uh, is when the quarterbacks come through to, to do their media session. Uh, so that'll be early next tuesday so keep an eye on that and we'll so the the podcast will be a little later next week because we want to ha- have all that stuff for you to discuss on the pod so we'll we'll be uh, we'll be a little bit later than our normal tuesday hole um next week as we sort of have some time to gather some stuff and, and react to all that so keep an eye on that all right well that's our week this week in Jura with joe burrow uh so we got that out of the way check that box let's get into the rest of the stuff so um I want to offer some takeaways from my conversation with Zach Taylor that we had, um, with the story that's up on the site now. And I I sort of had a few major takeaways, and I don't know, because, you know, you know how it is, like, some, you, you report on a story, you work on it for a long time, and you get in your own head about, like, what you're trying to do, what it's trying to say, what's important. Um, all that stuff. I'm curious from your perspective reading it, what stuck out to you? Because to me, it all ended up blending together when you're sort of in the midst of writing the writing it for so long.
1: Um, I, I thought that there was more of a promising tone towards free agency. It, it seemed like Duke was a little dismissive of, of this being a different year at the senior bowl. But, um, I don't know. It just seemed like like I'm trying to remember what his specific comment was, but it 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 feels like that they are going to address some issues in free agency. And yeah, they're not going to be getting the first day guys probably and and making huge splashes, but they they really have no choice and and I I don't think they're going to sit on their hands. Um and I I really I don't know if you asked or even thought of it I, I would have loved to have seen a picture of the notebook the one it's it's I a, know first I should have if you guys total regret you haven't read it total yet it's, it's not it's, take the picture it's a fantastic story because it's just it's it, it's well written and then it's it's great insight and Zach was really kind of forthcoming about the process and where they were a year ago to where they are now and just the, the idea of all these clean, pristine notebooks from the previous years of his career. And then the the one the newest one is in tatters basically because he's he's gone back and looked at it so often to, to learn the lessons and, and to reflect on where they were then to where they are now. And the uh the the Nick Eason <laughs> piece of, <laughs> about the combine where they're yeah. waiting to interview a defensive lineman Montez Sweat and most of the coaches in the room have never even met Nick Easton they don't know what he looks like and he walks in and just does the interview right off the bat I mean that's where this coaching staff was this time last year not even it's this just, time
0: less than a year ago yeah yeah
1: yeah right exactly um it, yeah, yeah it's just it's it's a really good piece and uh I, I commend you for doing it and I, I commend Zach for for doing it I, I mean we've talked about this a lot but he is he is about as open and forthcoming as a any head coach in the NFL has ever been it's really been refreshing yeah i just think he he
0: feels like there's value for this organization in transparency like mm-hmm. something that maybe they've lacked a bit in the past <laughs> you could say <laughs> and, and, and and it's important people just it, if people understand more where they're coming from and what they're trying to do, I I, I do think that you, you know, you, you understand, at least understand, you may not agree, but maybe you have a better chance of understanding. I think that's sort of their model on it. And, and like, there's a lot of stuff that we, you know, that you, that I think most people don't agree with in the way that things have, whether they've gone, decisions they've made, what have you. Um, but I think the idea of being transparent doesn't, doesn't hurt. Um, a couple of things that stuck out to me and I want to get into the free agent thing. And I actually have some audio from the interview that I want to bring in. I'm not going to, we were, we talked for a long time. So it's just going to clip up a little bit of piece of it that is sort of the free agency piece, um, for people to listen to. So you can hear a little bit more of, of, of Zach's take on their free agency approach. Cause I do want to, we're going to get into that. One thing that stuck out to me from a tangible piece here was the admittance of being too easy and light on the team in training camp and Mm. that affecting their struggles defensively early in the season with poor tackling and everything else. And, and you know, we – I remember the first promo that Zach – Cut when he was introduced here. And it was, we're going to have the freshest team on the field on Sundays, right? There was very much an obsession with being fresh and keeping guys healthy and taking it easy. And I think he experienced a year of the flip side of that. Of, you take it easy on guys. You worry too much. You baby them too much. And they're soft. And they were soft. And they don't tackle well. And that was a part of their, who they were, I think, early in last season. Especially in this division and i thought addressing the need for more physicality in camp was a uh, an interesting you know philosophical change to hear that he's going to implement next year
1: yeah i agree i i mean i don't know how much of that you can do it's still limited by the cba but you know obviously last year they didn't go up to that line of what they can do um it's not like they're going to wheel back out the oklahoma drill that's illegal now but um, I did that, that really, that did strike strike me too, because you know, there, there were a lot of the issues on defense were because guys were slow, specifically at the linebacker position, but there were like, like Jesse Bates for one was really impressive. His rookie year, um, everybody knew he could tackle any of the, or he he could cover and he had the ball skills, but he tackled really well. And, and, and he was one of the, the worst perpetrators last year with the missed tackles. And, uh, you know it, there was just some guys that that backslid in that regard and um i I thought that was big of zach to admit that that you know this is this is an area where I went wrong and that it is gonna be different this year and it's gonna make it's gonna be something to to really watch early in training camp to see how hard they go and you know everybody's gonna have their fingers crossed that nothing negative comes of it in in the terms of injuries but you just you can't prevent those anyhow i mean how many times do you see guys go down in non contact drills uh, you you can't play scared from that regard you i just i'm kind of looking forward to the that first week of camp was it day 3 when they can actually start hitting to yeah. to see how noticeable it is
0: yeah, no, ex- exactly. I mean, th- there are certain things you can do. You can you can do more live. I mean, I don't think they took any live reps last camp. No. I mean, I don't I don't remember any in Marvin's last year they would do. There weren't a lot, but they would do a live session of like goal line, you know, four plays or something like that of from the two, you know, where you're you're in there and you're hitting the running back and all that stuff. I mean, we know they used to do some in the past because Vontez Bervic went after Gio Bernard's knees on his first carry with contact after his knee surgery. <laughs> You know, because that's the thing that happened. And then he pushed a coach.
1: Um, but whatever. And then we weren't allowed to take video anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still have that video, by these, the way. These are all facts. These are all
0: facts. <laughs> uh, so, so that, that is also part of it. Um, here I want to bring in some of the interview. Um, again, this is just a, a smaller portion that I kind of chopped out. Um, that was kind of more focused on the free agency stuff because you mentioned that as a major takeaways. What we're going to talk about here, I wanted you to kind of hear it from Zach first, a little bit on on their approach to that. So here, here's Zach Taylor from my interview uh, talking about some free agency related questions, and then uh, we're going to dive into uh, potential targets and positional priority. When you look at last year, you know it, during the free agency period, you know it didn't pan out as well as you liked with some of the guys that you you signed. I mean, did you is that, how much of that was a factor of just a lot of not really understanding quite everything that was going on in the building and how much is that stuff that maybe you guys realize you have to correct and try to do better this year? It
2: doesn't matter what team you're part of. Year two, you have such a better grasp of the needs of the team. You might have heard it, you might have watched the tape and formed your own opinions, but until you're around uh certain players within our own schemes year two is such a big jump on we're so far ahead right now mm-hmm. i mean it's, you can't even put it into words how far ahead we are at draft prep free agency prep mm-hmm. all being on the same page with exactly what we need to, to upgrade ourselves and improve and so it's you can't really put that into words how yeah. different this year feels compared to last year and
0: How do you? I know when you came here, there was a lot of talk about you know you were in very much in lockstep with Duke and everybody about free agency and about like how to approach it and stuff. How has that has that has your view on it changed at all in this just for this particular point in time or or where as far as being more aggressive towards that or do you feel like? You still really. I'm not that you would ever go hard on it, but you can't really. You know, you can't count on that.
2: I I don't think it's more aggressive is not the word I use. It's just finding the right people that fit what we want to do, and continue to build this thing the right way. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's it's a supplement to the draft, and but I do feel like when we talk about it all the time to get the specific prospects, we've had multiple meetings this week already. Yeah. Um, And and then you know we'll see how it all shakes out for us, but. Um, we've identified our needs. We've talked specifically about guys we like. Mm-hmm. We all feel like we're on the same page, and then, and then just kind of see where it all shakes out. You know? Get it? You it's, can get. Yeah, it's it, so um, obviously. You you probably always feel like you overpay to an extent. Some guys.
0: Do sometimes you have to bite that bullet?
2: Well, I'm sure not, there, I mean, I
0: don't know. That's maybe more probably something I, I don't know. And when you get into the actual like money, people, but like, you just hate to
2: go down the road of all right, just because we said we needed this at this position, you're going to overpay just whoever at that position. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's where you end up going down the wrong road there.
0: The right uh, guy, you can overpay gotta right for. Yeah, it's well, got to be the perfect yeah, guy, really.
2: And it's I don't even know if overpay is the right word, but yeah, you, you got to find the right people at the right position and make sure it fits you and. You know, there's plenty of qualities looking for leadership qualities. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things where we're trying to find the right guy at the right price, and um, you know, excited for that process. Yes, yeah,
0: it's, it's a. I mean, that's the other. That's the other problem I mean, we talked about perception earlier. Is I, I, it, you know, it seems like maybe trade would be more fitting for a team that's two and fourteen that maybe would have a harder sell job, unless you have. A specific relationship with a guy, you know. I'm just I'm just saying this name, like like a guy like is a perfect example, like Graham Glasgow, right? His brother's on your team, like you can sell that to a guy. Whereas most guys would look at the Bengals and say, "Ah, I'm not really in for that right now. Um, I mean, is that a thing where? I mean, you're exploring all avenues, but maybe you're a little more when you're two and fourteen. You look a little bit more on the trade side than you normally would in most years, or.
2: I, I don't feel comfortable saying that. You yeah, know, yeah. I still feel like, um, there's a lot of great reasons to come here, you know, and, mm-hmm. and we believe that we're heading the right direction. Our players believe it. Our coaches believe it. You know, the more we get around players that we're interested in, they're going to believe it as well. And yeah, we're very confident in that part of things. All
0: right. There's, uh, there's Zach Taylor, uh, talking, uh, a little bit about approach to free agency and, you know, the idea that some, Sometimes, yes, you do overpay a little bit, um, but it's, it's, you know, when you have, it's gotta be worth it for you. You know, to, to think that this team is going to be out spending 15, 16 million dollars on Brandon Scherf to come play guard is unrealistic. And to think that, you know, I think it's highly unlikely that someone's gonna come in and be making more money, uh, than AJ Green. Uh, whatever that looks like, uh, then Geno Atkins. I mean, probably not. Um, but you can find, uh, to me, from my realistic, if you're, if you want to be an optimistic Bengals fan about free agency, to me, the best case scenario is really doing well with the sec, at the top of the second wave, really finding that not the top tier, not the guys that are gonna they they will require overpayment that will break be break the bank guys that you know will probably be cut the next year or two. We see this every single year, but it is owning that really doing well and pinpointing that second wave. Who are those guys right, and what position do you prioritize those? Where do you maybe go a little bit over what you would have paid you know? I think that's, that's the key for me to, to judging what success for the Bengals in free agency should look like this year in particular, but really any year.
1: Yeah. Because if, if, if you miss on one of those guys, either they get hurt or they don't perform, it, it doesn't kill you. And if, if they do do what you expect them to do, it, it really helps you a lot because you're going to be targeting positions of need. It's going to uh, give you more flexibility in the draft. It's, it's just, it's just something that it has to happen. And it does, you don't have to get all pros to, to make this team instantly better. And there are a lot of guys the, the, the whole value thing is kind of funny because, you know, a guy's value is what you say it is. It, it's not what everybody else says it is. So if, if, if you have more of a need at that position, then, then you're going to have a higher value on that guy. And I just, yeah, they, they might have to, you know, if, if all things are equal and it's the same dollars in the same year, maybe a a guy, and this was kind of something you touched on in your story as well. A guy would opt to go elsewhere instead of Cincinnati. So in that regard, you might have to up the the ante a little bit, but it's worth it. In this case, it's, 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 of the value that you have to pay a guy to get him here to help you out because you have that need. And, um, the Bengals are in position to do that. They, they always have a decent amount of cap space, even though they kind of look at, they view that math a little fuzzier than, than some teams with, you know, putting money aside for injuries and, and different types of things. But I don't know. I, I, just, I, I agree with you there where, it, it's not going to be day one. What is it? Wednesday, March eighteenth. Eighteenth is, is the
0: yes, actual 20th. league year flip over at four o'clock. But the you know the tampering period is those three days
1: before prior Monday through Wednesday. So that's the the Thursday the nineteenth, Friday the twentieth, the first round of the NCAA tournament. That's when the the Bengals are going to be you know looking to strike and, and get some of these you know. I don't, second, I don't know. I don't know if you wouldn't call them second tier. If they're going to be starters for you, which I think anybody they target in free agency, they're going to be looking at to come in and start. Um,
0: right, just after the initial wave of of ten to fifteen million dollar deals that hit immediately, right. and that stuff that happens, and perhaps a trade in there too, where maybe you're trading for a player. Uh, here's my positions as I see you know the target. I think number one is corner. I and I think that surprises people when you hear it. People offensive line linebacker, right? No position is more important to success on defense. No position are they in bigger trouble in twenty twenty one and kind of in trouble in twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. William you know, William Jackson's in the last year of his deal. Draker Patrick, you have to feel that is is on the way out as he's thirty plus now and and I think they're ready to move on from him what is Darius Phillips, you know, that we just named BW web. We just named everyone like, and they don't have any, there's, there's no future set there. And, and the present is iffy. Um, This that to me that, and, and you could, if you did let go of Drake or Patrick, you could get younger and better at that position for the same amount of money because his contract is so big. I mean, you're say you're saving eight and a half mil, Against the cap alone, much less the total $11 million deal that he's got. I mean, you could, you could get pretty close to going one in, one out and landing somebody who's younger and better for the same price.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, we talked about Logan Ryan on an earlier podcast. I'm not sure off the top of my head if he is younger. Than he is Trent. 29, but okay. So I, I, right about that same age, he's, He's better. He's got a ring. Um, he, yeah, he's certainly he's certainly
0: been around winning more often.
1: You know, I I kind of I, I I always I just thought linebacker would be the the number one spot just because yeah. it's such a need. But you, that it's more of an immediate need. But you're right, um, especially because you know you the, you how much the Bengals love to get these corners in the first round. And that's not happening this year there Joe Joe Burrow. And then maybe they take a, a corner in the second round, but if you can, if you can get a guy or two in, in free agency, then that, that totally frees you up with that, with that number 33 spot to go get another big time playmaker, wide receiver or something along those lines. But um, I would, I would have a cornerback in my top three as well. Um, I, I just think I'd, I'd probably give a, an edge to linebacker just because it's it's more of a pressing need but there's not it, there's, there's better corners out there on the free agent market than there are linebackers.
0: Yeah to me you know Logan Ryan continues to be in my crosshairs I, the other thing is with Darquez you know we, we'll mention this later in, in his interview with uh, George Iloka you know we'll see where that ends up whether he comes back or not I don't know it, we'll, we'll see what lands there, but I, I think that there's gotta be interest. You know, at the very least, he's had injury issues. Darquez not getting any younger. Someone who can come in and play the slot pretty well, where you could have them play the slot. Maybe you have Darius Phillips in an outside corner role with someone really good in the slot too. And you have BW Webb pushed further down the line, which is not a bad thing. You know, that Logan Ryan played a ton of slot, you know, can come in and do that, can play inside and outside. Now, are the Bengals gonna land Chris Harris Jr.? No. Like, probably not. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that I highly, I highly doubt it. But I mean, I think you look at, that's the, to me, that's like the first wave, right? Chris Harris Jr. is the first wave. Logan Ryan, Trey Waynes, you know, get into that level, down a little bit lower, you know, the, the second wave of guys. Um, These guys that can play inside, they can play outside a little bit better. You know, somebody that could play outside better than Darquez, but still plays the same quality slot. That's a, to me, that's a valuable position. So I, Kyle Fuller, Logan Ryan, you know, I, I, I even look at a guy like Waynes. I mean, these guys, I think are the, are pinpoint that area where you could see them making an aggressive play. Um, it's it's a it's a spot to 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 make the aggressive play
1: for him. won't be Jonathan joseph
0: <laughs> a little old he's
1: out there he's <laughs> out there he's a little old yeah. And he, he yeah no he's
0: he he's holding on to those Gatorades so I, so you mentioned linebacker there's a couple of names in here where I think you start and you find the realistic um fits. Joe Schobert. There's a great, a great. Speaking of stories in athletic, Zach Jackson wrote a great story about Joe Schobert's friendship with Alex Erickson and their sort of similar paths um, as sort of off the radar dudes that just worked for it and found a way to make a name for themselves and get contracts and things like that. Um, it, Joe Schobert may not be back in Cleveland, um, and man, he just seems like the. He's not going to get top money. But he's a, he's a more than competent three down linebacker that can do, can make plays, has had some really high highs. Um, intelligent playmaker. Um, Joe Schobert makes a ton of sense. Nick Kwiatkowski, uh, who kind of got a, has a limited starting snaps for Chicago, but looked pretty good in them over the course of his career. John Thornton being his agent understand Cincinnati uh, would could would understand the value in coming to Cincinnati would know the pluses and minuses that you could sell them but but would have a better understanding of some of the pluses that do exist here you know those are some of the names that you look at and you say okay well those could be those fit right those those make sense there
1: yeah I think a lot of people kind of have in their mind Corey Littleton just because of the you know the connection with the Rams and Zach Taylor coming from there but you know, he's, he's probably the best linebacker, uh, that's going to be in free agency this year. So that's, that's going to be more than likely one of those first wave guys that, that it's probably not going to happen here. But I agree. Schobert keeping him in the division w- would be big. And, uh, I would written about in one of my other pieces about Kwiatkowski. I, I, I just do think that's a really interesting, um, fit for him, uh, with, with, with John Thornton and, and, just the the fact that the Bengals need linebackers so bad. Another interesting one is Blake Martinez from the Packers, but he's kinda he's when he's good he's really good and when he's bad he's really bad. And uh I, I don't know if if that's what they're looking for. He's you know, Shield's got him on his list as the number forty eight free agent available. He's got Schobert as number forty. Um I, I don't know if Blake would be a fit here, but it's another guy to kinda have on your radar radar is free agency opens yeah i mean there's that's there's sort of
0: that middle tier of those three in particular that you see a lot i feel like grabbing finding one of those three and, and putting them in as a starter and you know and drafting a guy you know so you, jermaine pratt you hope is taking that step in year two and playing like the guy he was the last month um of the season and then you have showbert and then maybe you take a guy at 33 you know there's a couple of different options there and and now linebacker doesn't look so bad you know like it doesn't feel so hopeless you know you find your Vander Esch. you know you find your you know the late first round linebackers that have that have had a you find that guy for you and suddenly it, it doesn't doesn't feel so bad and you can feel like you can fix it the other spot the other i have two other positions sort of in the mix you know, we've talked a lot about guard and, um, Albert Breer had a piece sort of talking to executives and stuff around the league or whoever it was discussing, well, here's some guys under the radar a little bit that you might not be thinking of that might get paid and be surprised how much they'd make. One of them was Graham Glasgow and his brother, Ryan, is a defensive tackle for the Bengals they drafted a few years ago. I mean, again, it goes back to you're trying to convince players to pick the Bengals, right? Uphill, can we call that a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a uphill climb, right? <laughs> a little bit <laughs> tough sledding, <laughs> as they say. Uh Well, if your brother plays there. And you know, very family. I, I, I wrote a story about uh, them when Detroit came here a couple years ago, and they used to play football in the backyard, and like someone would always end up in the pond. Like they had, a, they have a younger brother who also plays Michigan. The very close knit football family. You know, they had like I think the mom was had like a Lions purse and a Bengals jersey for that game. It was like a whole thing. You know. <laughs> close-knit football family that it would be really cool for them to play together right like that would be a sell okay to come and play guard a quality guard a significant upgrade over anybody that played that position for the Bengals last year
1: is what he would be is Jordan the one that's at Michigan is he is he coming out this year I, I had not double checked on his year. status. If he,
0: I know he was playing last year at Michigan. I don't know if he's eligible or coming out or what his status is. Draft him too. Get him in the yeah, building. Yeah, I was going to say
1: he, he's a linebacker. So you, you <laughs> sign Graham in free agency, and you draft Jordan. And then just you bring him Glasgow in, even if
0: he's just going to hang out for a camp. You know, camp body. Yeah, if that's what it takes to to get to get Graham Glasgow to come play guard, then you do it. I, I, to me, that makes sense. You know, you can sell that. You have to pay a little bit, but to me, that's worth it. That's targeted, pay. You know, that's a that's worth the money. And, you know, that to me is another one that makes sense. You get into the defensive tackle position. I think is interesting. You know, Andrew Billings is up. Tupo will be restricted. I assume they'll put some sort of tag on him. What are you going to do in there? Gino Atkins not getting younger, uh, not getting better. Andrew Billings, it is a loaded defensive tackle free agent class. That'll make it really interesting what happens to Andrew Billings because Andrew Billings is not at the top of that list. You know, a lot of teams are going to, looking for a defensive tackle, are going to fill it and Billings is going to be standing there wondering what, what's going on. He, so you could see him coming back maybe at a reasonable deal or a prove it deal because it's just not a good year to be a defensive tackle and free agency. There's a lot of dudes. Not
1: a good deal. Not a good year to be a Bengals free agent because you know they've got Tupo, they've got Rennell Rand. Both of those guys are more of they're they're kind of in the same mold as Billings. They're not pass rushers. They're they're run stoppers, and they I'm sure they would like to have Andrew Billings back, but they can afford to to let him test the market and go elsewhere. Or if that doesn't work out, like you said, then bring him back on on kind of a prove it deal. I think because
0: there's so many good defensive tackles, I do think that that could be where you find this year's second wave steal. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the Bengals were very close to Shaq Barrett last year. Um they botched it, of course. Uh <laughs> concerns over his shoulder or whatever. Um, you know, that was he was a he was a maybe a third wave. I mean he was like a second third wave guy that was still sitting there and you're like well I mean that, that guy can play a little bit now. Why 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 has anybody got him? I think you could see that defensive tackle this year. And I think I could see the Bengals being involved in that market. Um, so I put that I had that down at fourth just because I think it'll be a little bit further down. But um, I could see them playing in there. If you could nab, you know, two of those four positions that we just went through, three of those four positions to some respect, maybe not those guys we mentioned, But if you have two of those, two names that we just mentioned in free agency, maybe one other guy that was a little further off the radar, that to me should be viewed as successful Bengals free agency. You may throw in a trade where you add a pick or you trade for a player or something. Then you're setting yourself up in the right direction. And then you add Burrow and you add some draft picks or maybe you you hopefully acquired more capital in the draft. Then you've stacked a little bit. Then you've filled some holes you, you, you get A.J. Green on a long-term deal heck you know we've talked about Joe Mixon ad nauseum and, and you're gaining momentum then you're starting to turn the corner and I think that is the vision that Zach Taylor was selling in that in my story that that is the 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 far away the 10,000 foot view the blueprint of, of what it can look like and, and then how you start to gain momentum that way with this roster.
1: Yeah, and I'd be interested or will be interested to see how the the, the fan base will react to that because that – knowing what the Bengals are, knowing how much they need, that does seem to be the, the most logical way to proceed forward, and I just wonder if there's going to be hand-wringing and all that with, if, if they don't. Right. Do anything in that first well, there wave should which be. they're not going to.
0: But there should you know, if they whiff and don't do any of that, they should be. There should no, be I hand mean just first wave. Yeah, well, yeah. Right. Well the first wave, obviously the first wave. I mean, I think you've got to be realistic in some respects. Um yeah. that's not going to be who they are. That's not who a lot of teams are. Um But again, it there sh- if if they don't come away with any of this, there should be hand There should be something went wrong and that would be a problem. And so, you know, we'll see how it all falls. They have options, they have money to play with. They have needs. They they have no shortage of needs. <laughs> they have more needs than money. <laughs> uh and they have a lot of money. That's so it's that's saying something. Um real quick, um I do want to dive into if you haven't read it um Jay, you had a QA with George Iloka last week, talking a little bit about, um, a lot of things, but, you know, the, the view of former players of this place and trying to win and all that stuff. I was curious, if you, if you haven't read it, I highly recommend going uh, on the site and reading through George with a lot of really good thoughts, um, and conversation about what the Bengals are as an organization and what they aren't and things like that. Um, what was some of your takeaways from that story, from that conversation?
2: Uh,
1: the one thing that really interested me when we were talking about the committing to what committed to winning, you know, and he's, he echoed what a lot of people say is there's, you know, everybody's committed. It's just, it's just at different levels. And then he, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to George is because he's, he's, he's so candid and he he's so, he puts a lot of thought into his answers, but he, those thoughts come fast. It's not like he sits there and he, he thinks about it for a long time and he gives, he, he, he answers it as soon as you ask it, and, and he brought this up. He, he said, You can't confuse commitment with results. That that just because a, a team isn't winning doesn't mean they're not committed to winning. And he kind of used, you know, his, the gym bag podcast. The, the reason for the name for the podcast is he, he wants it to be the, the topic of what they talk about to be what guys talk about at the gym when they're working out. And he used the analogy that, you know, there could be a guy that, that goes to the gym seven days a week and eats right. And, you know, he's just, he's struggling to drop the weight and, you know, he's, he looks okay, but not great. And then there could be the other guy that he works out with that only goes two or three times a week and eats like crap and he's just shredded and he looks like a bodybuilder. And it's, you know, that guy's not more committed because he looks better. It's just the way things are sometimes. So he didn't, he didn't come out and he he said he disagreed with Carson Palmer that, that, that he does think the Bengals, there is a commitment to winning. It's, it's just at you know, a little bit of a a different level that, that, you know, that this is, it's, it's a business as well as a game and that making money has to be, has to factor in there as opposed to just winning at all costs. Um, And then I'm trying to think back of some of the other things that, that we talked about. I, he, he kind of dismissed the idea that where the Bengals are now is the result of a hangover from that, that 2015 playoff game. And again, right off the bat, he, you know, he didn't, it's not like I sent him these questions and he thought about them and emailed them back. This was a conversation on the phone and he immediately brought up the saints. And he said, the, the Minneapolis miracle and the, uh, non-call pass interference against the Rams in the championship game two years ago were far more devastating losses than, than what the Bengals suffered. Now, Bengal fans might disagree with this, but he's talking from a player standpoint. He said, those were far more devastating losses and that the, the Saints have managed to come back and still be relevant and still be a very good team. And he said, you, you can't, you can't blame what happened in that game for the the Bengals kind of going into into a hole after after that loss to the Steelers. Um and it was interesting too how he you know he he came right out and said that's not Jeremy Hill's fault. Get off Jeremy Hill's back. It wasn't the fumble and he didn't say it was you know Burfick and Pacman's fault either. He he said that there was a bunch of little stuff that they had done um early in that game, little things that they they hadn't corrected all year. I should I should have pressed him for specifics on this, but it was a really long answer, and I, I never circled back. But he, he said it was one of those cases where if you don't do things right, they're eventually going to catch up with you. And he said that's what happened in that game. It was a bunch of little things that they never corrected all year caught up to them in that game. And and he said that was the reason they lost that game, not the Jeremy Hill fumble and, and not the, the penalties at the end of the game, although we all know. Without those penalties at the end of the game, without the Jeremy Hill fumble, they win that game. This is correct. Uh, I'm still putting a whole lot
0: of that in Jeremy Hill's arms. Uh, <laughs> sorry, George. We could talk about that anytime. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I thought it was a really, really interesting conversation uh, with, with George. And I, I like his thought of that there's different levels. It's not that everyone is committed to winning. Everyone wants to win, is committed to winning. There's just different levels of it. And, you know, I think you can read between the lines of, you know, the Bengals aren't going to aren't going to be in that top level. Right. But it doesn't mean that there isn't still a commitment to trying to win or whatever. Um, I I just thought it was it was interesting take and uh, discussion from somebody who has been in this building.
1: Um, Yeah, something else real quick. And I'd like to get your thoughts on it. The the last thing I asked him was, you know, what what he would like what he thinks is the most important thing in, in the CBA. And and he didn't say this, the upcoming CBA, he didn't say this was the most important thing, but he floated this out there. I had not heard this before from anybody. And I thought it was really interesting. He suggested taking the quarterback off of the salary cap. Now, you can pay quarterbacks whatever you want, and it doesn't count toward the salary cap. The salary cap is for the other positions on the team. And I thought that was really interesting from a, from a player standpoint who is, who is not a quarterback, you know, these guys are so competitive about w- wanting to make, and they, they know, like a safety knows he's not going to get quarterback money, but, um, I, I just thought that was real interesting. And I, and especially for a team like the Bengals that are, they're going into this where they're going to be drafting Joe Burrow, we are going to have him on a rookie deal. And then in four or five years, they're going to be in this position that the Chiefs are in where, you know, well, maybe they will be that, But you you get good because you you did a good job of of drafting the right person, and then all of a sudden you have to break the bank and pay them more than you've ever paid anybody before, and then all of a sudden you have to start selling off pieces, and it's almost like you're starting from scratch again. And I don't know how well that would be received by the players' union, but I just thought it was really interesting, the the idea of taking the, the quarterback off of the salary cap.
0: Here's the problem with that, from my view is the NFL already has a huge problem with parity because of quarterbacks. The same quarterbacks take the same teams far in the playoffs every single year because of the value of the position. And, and that's been seen in the AFC for this entire century. You know, Brady, Roethlisberger, Manning. Now Patrick Mahomes is going to be that guy. If you do that, you, you only – exacerbate the problem of if you have a great quarterback, you, you, you're you going to be there at the end. It's it, it, At least that model is a way of evening out so that you don't have the same people winning every single year. If you have great quarterbacks and then a the whole other salary cap to, for everyone to build exactly the same around them – those same quarter, those quarterbacks are going to be there at the end absolutely every single year. The only thing that keeps that from happening now is the salary structure that brings it back to earth a little bit. And there's a reason they get paid that much money because that's where the NFL has found the value to be. You know, $40 million for Patrick Mahomes or whatever it ends up being is going to be equal to the effect that he would have if you paid other players that five, six other starters, seven other starters. Is what Patrick Mahomes value is. As a reason that number exists, and I just feel you take that away, you put that in a separate bucket, uh, you're, you know, you're gonna have the same guys in the Super Bowl, in the playoffs, every single year, more so than it already has been, which has been a lot. That's, that's my only, that's my only issue with that. I like where his head's at with it, I, you know, I get it, but, um yeah, I think that's probably,
1: would be a problem with it. And you would probably start seeing some legitimate tanking. Uh, to to get the number one pick to get the best quarterback coming out each year
0: yeah i mean who knows uh i oof. we've we've been down that road we know uh you have sad speaking of legitimate tanking you have some sad stats well, well done yeah, i was man. the saddest stats
1: I, i've been kind of using this this stats segment and and Putting together some pieces, um, looking at some of the the most notable stats from last year, and you know what, how they got that bad, and and how they can fix them. Um, earlier articles I wrote, I did one on the recently on the the 42 consecutive second half drives about a touchdown, and how that's almost double uh, what any other team did last year. Um, and, and then I looked at the, the run defense, how historically bad that was. Uh, this one kind of ties into this. I, I started by looking more at the, the, the pass defense because they gave up so many explosive passes last year. And for, for this purpose, I used passes of 25 yards or more. And then I, the, the Bengals were so bad at, at the passing end of it. I, I wanted to look at where they were run wise too. So the Bengals by far last year, 46 plays, um, pass plays of two, of, of 25 yards or more, that was actually not the worst. Lions have 47. So I wanted to say, well, what about all time? And the problem there is you can't, you can't do all time. The, 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 that kind of data only goes back to 91. So I went back to 91. I looked at every, every team's explosive plays every season back to 91 and those 46 pass plays of 25 yards or more are the third worst of anybody going back to 91. The 90, 1999 49ers had 48. And then as I mentioned, the Lions 2019 had 47. Bengals had 46. Then I went, I looked at the rushes and they had the eighth worst, uh, rushing total of all time. They last year they gave up 22 rushes of 20 yards or more. So that was, that was not the worst in the league. The Panthers had 23 last year, but you go back all the way to 91. It's the eighth worst total, um, of all teams. The last, what is that, 28, 29 seasons. So if you combine those, you combine the 46 passing, explosive passes allowed and the 22 explosive runs, they've given up 68, or they gave up 68 explosive plays last year. The next worst, all the way back to 1991, was 60. They gave up eight and <laughs> more than the next worst. The, the next worst was the 2011 Raiders, and they had 60. And the 18 Jets had 60. And the 08 Lions, who went 0-16, had 59. And every, everything after that, it goes 59-59, 58-58. They're all clumped together there. And then there you see an Eight play gap from the second worst Raiders of 2011 <laughs> to the Bengals was 68, the 2019 Bengals. I mean, that, that summed up that defense and there's a lot that can go into that. The tackling was terrible. The linebacker play was terrible. You got a, a first year defensive coordinator, a brand new scheme. Um, that all kind of ties into that, that piece that you wrote with, with Zach about how, why they're, they're so, not 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 just hopeful but confident that 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 last year the lessons learned from that are are going to start paying off this year and and really they i mean they can't get any worse in that regard uh, it's, it's just stunning to 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 give up eight more explosive plays than any other team in quote history
0: it's jaw dropping stuff I mean, it's just, I mean, but really we've been in just this year cycle of finding stats yes. that you can't believe. Like, it just goes, you didn't even get to reference the Los Angeles Dons, okay? Like, I, yeah. we, we, I mean, we've we—I we had stats that have dated back to, like, truly celebrating the 100-year history of the NFL over the last year. So, I mean, we, you, if you can't even drop me some team from the 40s, then what good are you, Jay?
1: That's the real stats. Well, I can the guarantee stats. the Los Angeles. The LA Dons did not give up 46 passes of 25 yards. <laughs> more. Now maybe they gave up 46 runs of 25 or 20 yards or more, but yeah. nobody was passing the ball back then. YA Tittle just torched him. Uh, <laughs> two times a game. Two times a game. Uh, let's see. Let's, let's
0: run past her boot and then we'll get out of here. Um, we teased this at the top of the show. I think it's a decent one. So next Tuesday, Uh, we will be in Indianapolis for the combine, as will Joe Burrow. Uh, he will be doing his media session. We are under the assumption he'll be doing his media session. And these things are on a a podium. It's like going to be about, it's usually about 10 to 15 minutes for every player. Um, the Joe Burrow podium will be highly well attended, shall we say? Um, it'll probably be a cast of, Hundreds of media circling it. Uh, I hope to be number one A right in front. People will want to ask what the Bengals. I don't know if you're aware. Uh, so the run pass reboot for me. It really, it's coming up with the number. And maybe it's we can growler bet this too. You want to growler bet this too, Jay?
1: Yeah. Why not?
0: Yeah. Okay. Let's do both. Run, pass, or boot for us, and Bengals growler bet for you. Number of questions that have the word Cincinnati, Bengals, or being directly related to a question about the franchise of the 10 to 15-minute session. How many of the questions will be directly related to the Bengals? For run, passer boot, I have less than seven Seven, let's say seven to ten, or ten plus.
1: I, I want to lean toward the under, the the less than seven, just because there's there's so many people there, and they're all trying to get their own stuff, and and it, it's not like the national guys can kind it. They they have gotten him already. They can get him in different settings. What a lot of that crowd is going to be beat writers, bloggers for other teams. And, and those questions are going to kind of be more directed toward their teams. And there's going to be so many guys, so many people there. I don't want to say guys, there's women too. That, that I think that the subjects are going to be all over the board, but I I just, I can't, it, it's got to come up. And I I think I'm going to run with seven to 10 and, uh, and it's fine. We can affect this because, if it's if it's too low and it needs to get to my number right we, we can pop it up <laughs> 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 just start interrupting people and be like yes. yeah 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 but about the Bengals again <laughs> um so yeah i'm going to run with 7 to 10 and i'll pass on less than 7 and i'll boot 11 or more i i just i can't see it in 10 minutes and you, Joe can affect this, too, because if he's really short and dismissive with his answers, that means more questions. Yeah. But that, that's what I'm going with. I'll go 7 to 10. And then for my growler bet number, I'll put it at 9. You'll put it at 9? Okay. Uh, yeah, you know, think about it.
0: Bengals media contingent alone, okay? I assume some TVs will be up there. I assume all the TVs will be up there. You'll have... Bengals.com, both of us, Inquirer, ESPN, that, everyone, everyone that I just mentioned probably will will try to get in at least one Bengals question somehow. At least. So I, I would, I'm going to boot, I'm done, I'm going to boot less than seven. I'm going to run with 10 plus. I think it's just going to, it's going to get super repetitive and it's just going to be hammering away. Um, so I'm 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 going all the way on the high side here. I'm all on the high side. I think it, I think it goes way up, and that's not just because I'm going to be trying to run the score up. That's 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 my thought. Uh, Bengals growler bet 13. Ooh, so okay.
1: So hashtag. Bangles, Here's the other thing about that. Yeah, Oh, will go ahead.
0: No, I was just say hashtag Bengals growler bet to us on Twitter. Hashtag Bengals growler bet with your number, and if you hit it right on the nose. We have a growler of delicious Fifty West beer for you.
1: I was I, what I was going to say. I just totally dismissed while you were going through that because I was going to say uh, a fly in the ointment here could be, you know, if Duke and Zach have their podium sessions while Joe Burrow has his. But for, for people that aren't familiar with the combine, no, I don't think, I think that's going to be the case. I don't. I, they're later in the day. I do believe they're later in the day. Okay, so I don't think that's possible. And and I was going to say too, it doesn't really matter because a lot of times we just kind of sit there and and listen in on the podium session because the the Cincinnati contingent can get those guys off of the podium, off to the side where it's more Bengal specific as opposed to the, the broader questions you tend to get from the other reporters. So correct. Yep, yeah, you you might be right on this. It 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 could be, it could be very Bengal centric. But I'm I'm going to stick with my pick. I'll stick with nine. I mean. You know,
0: we had him on the podcast a couple weeks ago, and I, I love, I love Butchie. But if he gets his talons into Joe Burrow and starts firing, he could go ten plus alone in a row.
1: We've seen it. He gets frustrated though when he well when, too many people. It's him and somebody yeah. else are at the same time. Yeah. He tends to defer unless it, it's true. you know if, yeah, well, yeah he he's really, gonna he's gonna to
0: fire it. away. But then when there's that's the the problem with this is and 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 it's sort of the interesting dynamic is we're very inside baseball here when there are just that many freaking people around it's almost pointless it's impossible to get it, to have any real conversation it's so you know it's like you know it's like firing away at a presidential press conference like there's just too many people you get your question you can get your question, but to think you're going to have a discussion, be able to have a real conversation, it's impossible. You can do that with other guys. Some of the other guys don't even have podiums. You, know, you have, you have like, up there, there's usually like 10 podiums and they'll bring in all the quarterbacks, right? Well, the top 10-ish pro, high profile guys will all get on a podium. The rest of them just sit at tables on the side and you can just pull a chair up next to them and, and BS. It's great. But for Joe Burrow, there's, <laughs> That's not what it's going to be. So it's going to be very, very different, uh, for somebody like that. So
1: anyway. I like the presidential press conference. And now I want Butch to be our Helen Thomas where he just, he gets the first question.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, he's earned it. He's earned it. There's no doubt about that. All right. That'll wrap us up again next week. We'll be coming in a little bit later, uh, as we were going to get through that certainly that first day, that Tuesday next week, Joe Burrow, Duke Tobin, Zach Taylor all expected to speak. So we want to come to you after that. So look for it a little bit further than the we, week. Probably on Wednesday next week. We'll have a podcast with with lots of uh, audio from those. We'll give you the results of the growler bet uh and much more from what we hear uh, next week in Indianapolis, if you get a chance. Uh, Jay's, Jay's got stats series is up. Jay's interview with George Iloka Loca is up. My, my story with sitting down with Zach Taylor up on the site. Um, there is review, uh, film reviews of Joe Burrow. I mean, there is just so much up there involving Bengals right now on the site. Highly recommend you go there if you get a chance. If you're not a subscriber, subscribe. Subscribe. Very affordable. You know, three four bucks a month, no big deal. Anyway, thanks everybody for listening uh, to the podcast, and we will talk to you next week. Hear that podcast, ground.